Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. I am super excited about this podcast. I have one of my favorite lit RPG authors of all time. If you don't know what lit RPG is, it means literal role-playing game as a genre. Uh, So think of Twitch, but you're really side scene viewing of somebody going through a book as if it was a video game or some sort of experience where there's like hard magic systems and all that jazz. But anyways, geeky things aside, super excited to have uh, Travis Deverall on the podcast. He's also known AKA Shirtaloon not to be confused with Pantaloon. And he started out uh, discovered that writing an internet story about an interdimensional Kung Fu wizard had somehow became a marketable skill when he accidentally found himself to be a successful author. He's now quietly getting on with it while hoping no one notices the entire thing is ridiculous. We did notice and we do enjoy it. Under his pen name, Shirtaloon, he has released several books, most recently book six, and soon book seven, and the ongoing series, He Who Fights with Monsters. So without any further delay, I'd like to welcome Travis. Yo. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Very well. Awesome. It's funny. When you say good day, I can't help but to hear Jason say it inside of the actual, like, book series and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, one thing I want to talk about that is like, there's a lot of like, I felt like when you put together Jason, there's a lot of things that I feel like there's like a deep connection to the dude. He's super likable, but then he's, he's fun, but then he's also hardcore. Like there's a, there's a lot of traits about him that is very, at least for myself, I feel very, I would like him to be my friend. I would like to spend quality (laughs) time with him, grab a beer, slay some monsters. Um, And I'd love to kind of learn just a little bit about like how you kind of came up with the personality of Jason and what, how do you make him so compelling? Uh, um, Easy question. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, a lot of Jason, especially at starting point, um, was sort of a collection of flaws um, that I had back in my twenties. So, um, you know, everything he does wrong kind of comes from me and everything he does right is kind of, um, uh, sort of what I'd like to be. So he's, you know, there's a composition of everything bad about me and everything good I'd like to have about myself, I suppose. Um, um, but, yeah, so he starts off in a place that I think was relatively similar to me 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, his life experiences and my life experiences are obviously very, very different. So he ends up in a very different place because he does transition uh, a lot over the course of the books. Um, Like he holds a lot of principles early on that's, um, you know, very naive and they get tested and and pushed. But um, a lot of it is uh, uh, a postulated response to... The, the kind of life that he's lived where he's always in these extreme situations. So he's sort of taken the elements of himself and um, he's made all of them quite extreme, which is why he's a very, you know, outlandish, larger-than-life kind of character because that's, you know, how he processes um, all the things that he goes through. Um, but, 
yeah, in terms of formulating his elements, um, like there's obviously a very Australian, like a sort of classically Australian mm -hmm. um, kind of character to him. And that was one of my core ideas when I started off. I wanted to take um, sort of that very casual Australian, um, you know, anti-authoritarian kind of mindset and then plonk it into the middle of, say, Lord of the Rings. You know, I, I want to I have when, you know, Crocodile Dundee meets Gandalf. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and obviously it's a very, you know, refined from that sort of basic idea, but that was my starting point. Yeah, that's a hell of a starting point. It's a, quite the, like, shoving those two in the box, you know, trying to get them to play well together. Crocodile D, uh, Dundee and uh, Gandalf yeah. is a... Maybe. Well, um, when I came to Isekai or Portal Fantasy, which is a guy chucked in another universe, I really wanted to explore some of the potential of that for, you know, the fun culture clash because, mm. you know, chucked into another universe and then that becomes an irrelevant plot point, paragraph two, which I've seen in stories and that's quite disappointing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wanted to sort of engage with that. Uh, quite a lot so you know there's people who don't know what a car is and he's trying to explain wax on wax off to them there, there is something to those like um inside jokes that are shared amongst the listeners like if we're listening yeah. to it and he hears that and we get that you know karate kid and all that jazz yeah. that we giggle right and then the, and then the, the attempt to try to explain it i feel like almost like he's whispering to us inside secrets Mm. As, the, as the book goes on, as, as we go through it, and we start to build this, you know, area and like his obsession with Airwolf um, <laughs> is just, I don't have that. The thing is, I've got most of it. I've got like 80% of the references, but the, yeah. like, the ongoing thing of Airwolf, I'm like, it almost makes me, I would be super curious to see if like Netflix or whoever's got Airwolf right now has a spike of people just trying to figure <laughs> out what the hell Jason's talking about, right? As we're going through it, because I'm like, what does this mean? What is he talking about? And it's, yeah. but it's, but it's fun to watch. There's this, there's this like bantery back and forth that he does that there's like this flavor change, right? Between the communication he has with his teams of bantery and getting crapped on and all that stuff. Yeah. And this absolute defiance to authority. And this like, this almost like this, you know, you know, manic change of personality that, but it's what's required to yeah. actually like, interface with those other people right and, that, and I, i'd love to like learn a bit about that have you have you have you stood up to authority have you have you have you have you punched a senator in the face or like i'm just curious about like what like how that um, how it shapes out i'm uh i'm not um no i, I i'm not some <laughs> active rebel i'm not you know running up to the police and saying here have some pepsi it'll be fine um uh it's um but I, you know, I do have, I, I guess you'd call it an, an anti-authoritarian streak. But that's that's part of the Australian character. Like mm. one of our big folk heroes is Ned Kelly. Are you familiar with Ned Kelly? I've heard the name, but I don't really know okay. the references. He's a thief and a murderer. <laughs> um, yeah, because basically uh, during um, Australia. Um, once, you know, we had a vast indigenous um, population, civilizations that are 40,000 years old. Mm. And then a bunch of British people rocked up and just started using it as a giant prison camp, 
and you know killing all the natives but um uh but there was but because we were largely populated by convicts um there was a lot of oppression by british rule yeah um and you know a lot of that anti-authoritarian stems from that so nick kelly is one of our big folk heroes um because you know he stood up against the british even though he was you know a thief and a murderer a bush ranger is what they're called but um yeah but he was famous for uh, actually wearing a suit of armor and yeah he wore a suit of metal armor uh -huh. and, and then took on the police with guns <laughs> How recent was this? Is this, this was, I don't know, uh, 18 something. Okay. It's, okay. I was trying to wrap my head yeah. around a suit. Like, I, I didn't know it was like the 1950s. Some dudes walking no, around. No, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Guns were a little too good then. They'd punch right through metal arm and, yeah. by that point. Wow. Yeah. So he, I mean, um, so. Uh, but he's, he's one of our big folk heroes. Um, possibly our biggest one. And, um, you know, for the sheer, um, standing up to authority nature of of his life mm. um i suspect things were a little more gritty and grim you know if you go into the details but that's not really how folklore works but that's that's sort of a core element of um at least the sort of pre-immigrant australian identity yeah so one and, part crocodile yeah. undy undy one part gandalf one part ned kelly yeah yeah so um and yeah i i do have like as i've gotten older like i've not anti-authoritarian but i've stopped um sort of putting on facades for you know people to just get along mm -hmm. you know like i just uh, i'm a lot more open about you know who i am and my sort of attitude to how i interact with the world and jason is that crank right up to 11 in certain aspects um except you know i don't have to deal with you know gods and monsters and death and danger i mostly you know have to deal with publishing deadlines <laughs> well i mean there's certain things about him that i feel like he is the he is like the everyday man who's also that ninja warlock you know it's mm. a combination of that and i'm wondering in terms of like he's very sociable where he can go to the people and just kind of go and talk and hang yeah. out and figure out how they can make like a in apple pie or whatever the thing might yeah. be right and in, in that context is like do you as a person do you go are you highly social where like, like, like jason would go and make friends with people and figure out recipes and go and cook people dishes or anything because that's a I, I i can be highly social in short bursts but no i'm um i'm the classically introverted writer um you know like i i love um you know, like small social gatherings of very yeah. select people, but you know, I'm not jumping into social environments with a whole bunch of people. That freaks me out, man. <laughs> totally, I feel you, man. And in very eclectic small circles, I feel you in that one. Being like, like that. If, if we're talking about like, you know, your book series, little RPG, we can have a very good conversation. If we go in the areas of like a, a sports stadium, it's it's very uncomfortable for me. So, I, uh, yeah. I, no, I completely I do, resonate. I do, I do love a good barbecue, though. That, that was one his, his traits of throwing barbecues and inviting these yeah. people and then all these high level people show up but then they're like yeah. they're trying to figure things out but then they eat something amazing they're like ah yeah. 
maybe I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to slightly deviate my behavior because like the, the food that you bring, which I, yeah. I'm willing to bet that there's probably some classic stories around, uh, you know, um, world changing events around delicious barbecues, I imagine. Yeah. So it's, um, well, you know, I, I don't do a lot with my barbecue. Like I've just, I've just moved house recently. So now I've got a nice barbecue out on the deck just off the dining room. So, you know, go, um, I have board game days on Saturdays. It's one of the big ways I sort of de-stress from, you know, a week of mm. fairly intense um, writing schedule. And so, yeah, board game, barbecue, and then back to board game. And um, and it's nice to have that sort of ready access. It's the middle of winter right now, so it's not super great barbecue weather, but. Um, yeah, yeah. Other side of the planet. Got that yeah. check. It's, it's really hot right now here where we're at. So I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, oh, that's right. That's right. Now, time and space isn't quite the same thing as we're going through the internet. So, yeah. Uh, what what board games do you play? What's your what's your jam? Uh, uh, a lot of them. Um, yeah, no. I, um, board games were my big indulgence once I actually started making some money. Um, so I have like a couple of hundred of them um, downstairs in the games room and the game storage room. Um, so yeah, the lot, lots of different games, like you know, lots of hobby board games. So not not your monopolies and your game of life. So I mean, if people like those, that's that's great. But um, more yeah. eclectic, esoteric kind of things. Um, well, not that, not not that eclectic. They're um, uh, board games are uh, going through a bit of a renaissance at the moment. So yeah, no, I know it's a fun one, but it's okay. it's funny though what happens when. I, I, I kind of, because, you know, I used to, my previous job was like, I, I used to run a, a gourmet food business called Burger Monsters Burgers. And then I got into virtuality yeah. where I make virtuality games. So I do burgers and video games. So I'm a professional big kid. Yeah. And it sounds like what happens when you get money, he's like, okay, well, I couldn't afford this when I was a kid. So I'm now going to have all the board games, you know? What? That's exactly what happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm very far from unique in once I sort of got into board games. I got a little too into board games because, you know, I, I think a lot of people who really get into it um, end up buying way more board games than they conceivably get to in a respectable amount of time. So I have many board games on my sort of pile of shame uh, that I haven't actually pulled out and played yet. Do you do you ever do like Zoom board games with people? Or is it all in person, meet space yeah, kind of stuff? It's it's generally all in person. Like I, I've done some Zoom style, like um, Dungeons and Dragons stuff, but but for actual board games, yeah, I tend to do it in person. Cool. Just I'm just curious on that one. Um, and you know, you did say that like your your reality has shifted a lot. You have a very unique from from my own perspective of from how you became um, this, this internet writer, author, mm -hmm. to actually now producing a lot of books. I think it's very different than I think a lot of other authors have done it, where they, you know, they go and they make a book and they get the book and the yeah. book's out there and the book's done. Um, you know, from my own perspective, I've consumed your books mm -hmm. and then I fell in love with your, you know, the, the books and I go, I want more. And so then I jumped on your Patreon. I started consuming all of your Patreon, which is linked yeah. in the bio, everybody for Patreon. Um, but inside of there, you go like I, I go through and I consume that. It's amazing because you're like, I'm like really up to date, but you've had a little stint where you haven't produced things in a while, but it's all good. You've been really kind about forgiving the 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 payments for the Patreon and being really cool about the way you've gone about it. But like, how has your reality shifted, you know, when as you've gone from internet author to producing these books to 
having this um, hungry crowd uh, <laughs> uh, wanting yeah. your content? Uh, well, at the start, when I was sort of trying to establish myself, it was mm. frenetic. I didn't give myself breaks at all. Um, I went about 18 months with two weeks off for Christmas. Mm. And uh, by the end of that, that, that got me through the first three books, um, by which point I was wrecked. <laughs> uh, and I ended up taking two months off like I'm doing at the moment. Yeah. Um, and after that, um, that was around the time when the publishing started kicking in. Um, so I, I wasn't expecting the sort of outside the writing stuff to take up quite so much of my time. I was expect when I first started off, I thought, okay, this will be my day. I'll sit down and I'll write and I'll write and I'll write. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly you're, you know, dealing with multiple fan communities and, you know, publishers and you've got to, you know, get that um, book edit re reviewed and so on and so forth. And that, um, uh, that does consume an awful lot of time, which means stress. Um, but now that I'm more established, I can just say, okay, I need this month off. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm going to stop charging the Patreon. I'm going to take the month. I'm going to, you know, catch up on some editing, get some chapters ready to go. So I'm not, um, okay, I'm writing this chapter, which has to go out in seven hours. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is stressful and because <laughs> the, the more you are on the red line, even though you're doing the same amount of work, you get more stressed. It takes, ends up taking longer. So, uh, and that's really why I, um, I took this extra month. Like I took a month off just to take my mom on holiday, but then I got sick. So I just gave myself an extra month. That way I've got the flexibility to come into it clean instead of sort of panicked. <laughs> and catch up. Yeah. Yeah. Give yourself a little bit of break. So in, in the meantime, like for you, you know, what is you talked about going on holiday? I mean, what did you know, what does recovery look like for you? How do you how do you refill your battery? Um, I tend to just walk um, completely away from writing. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I, I tend to switch from writing to reading. Like I don't get that much reading done while I'm actually working. Yeah. Uh, so I tend to binge a bunch of other people's work. <laughs> Um, uh, while I'm on holiday. So, you know, I, I spent two weeks on a boat with my mum, you know, doing lots of reading and, yeah, and it was really good. I, I pitch you with some sort of alcoholic beverage with a, with, a, with a small umbrella inside of it, you know. That's that bad. <laughs> yeah, there, 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 there may have been a bit of that going yeah. on, yeah. <laughs> Did you have a floral print shirt? Did you have one of those, like, Hawaiian shirts on and flip flops. Just curious, you know. Uh, I was more barefoot, but yes. Okay, right, cool, man. Um, when you're talking about like that that frenetic push, right? Like, hmm. what causes you or what allows you to keep going? Because that's hard, right? I mean, I mean, going yeah. well, one 18 months straight and a two week vacation. Yeah. Yay! I, uh, I, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't do that again. That'd kill me now. What, but then, what got you every day? I'm curious about that. That's hard. Yeah. That's super hard. Yeah. What was the what was the story? What was the mindset that got you to show up every day and frenetically go for 18 months? Because I imagine there's some days that you're like, no, but you did it yeah. anyway. So I'm curious about what that what that mindset was. Yeah. Well, I because I get asked a lot because when you come, I come from an amateur writing space. Like I started out writing this story on the internet for free. Yeah. 
Um, and a lot of people, you know, ask for advice. How do you make that transition? Because, you know, getting into writing as a career is hard. Uh, and the first thing I tend to tell people is if you want your writing to be your job, you have to treat it like a job, uh, which can be hard when you're, you've got an actual job that you need to pay rent and buy food and diapers or whatever. But, um, uh, yeah, so part of it is just work ethic. Um, my dad was very big on work ethic. I have been very uh, not big on work ethic for most of my life because uh, – but, uh, but part of it is finding something that you – love like i'm the kind of i have a kind of mindset where when i get into something i get all the way into it like i just start obsessing and you know losing time as a baroness so into it and that's a useful mindset for um a high release rate story mm. um so, what so is it, yeah. i just want i just want to unpack that i just yeah. love it because you talk about getting obsessed with something like and you talk about you know not having the work ethic yeah you're probably doing things you didn't want to do maybe a yeah. calculus or you know, an insert yeah. thing that's super boring at school. And I, and I get that. You're like, I don't want to do this. But when you're you're doing when, this when thing, you get that thing, yeah. But you're getting this bug in you that's like, I'm obsessed, right? What is yeah. what is like, I mean, what is the mental dialogue? What are you thinking? What are you telling yourself that's getting you to be obsessed with this thing? What's going on in your head there? Um, I don't know. I I just sort of naturally fall into it. But um, the key with sustaining it, because I've been at this for a few years now, mm. um, is finding the tools that you can keep at that because that obsession will let you dig in and go a certain way, but it won't last forever. Mm -hmm. So at that point, you start to need developing strategies because I didn't sort of just go from nothing to everything all at once. So... Um, I was working on this for a year and a half to two years before I ever started releasing. And during that point, I'm, you know, doing writing, doing early drafts, um, doing character outlines, doing plot outlines. Uh, plot outlines are one of my key tools because I don't have like a super rigid plot outline, but I know where the entire series is going and where it ends. Can you just unpack that just a little bit with plot outlines when you're talking about that? So, okay. like, do you open up a white? Just yeah, please. Yeah, so I'll get a whiteboard or usually a notebook, and I'll start with you know the very very broad strokes of what's happening when over the course of the series, and this will adjust as I go along. But um, so I know where the story is going to end, but the further I am for where I'm currently writing, the less detail I have. So I'm currently working on book nine. So when I go to start book nine, I have a very detailed outline of what's coming in book nine. Book 10 will be more vague, book 11, book 12, more vague as I go along. But I know the big highlight points. So, you know, I've got that so I can drop in some foreshadowing. I can, you know, prepare for things that are coming later. Uh, and I just get more and more detailed the closer I am to writing any particular piece of content. Mm. Uh, and and that gives me a roadmap. It gives me some flexibility, so I can wander off and you know try new ideas as they come to me, change things. But mm. um, I can always sort of get myself back to the main road and keep on track. Mm. Uh, because when because I sit down every weekday and I'll spend my day writing. 
Um, and I don't know that it'd be manageable if I was sitting down every day and going, okay, what do I write today? Instead, I'm sitting down and I'm going, okay, I'm writing this today. Um, which and, is, and part of yeah. that, what you're looking at is, and just so I can understand, so you have, a, so let's say you grab a whiteboard and yeah. with that, you're like, okay, I'm going to do the hero's journey outline for this book, right? Where yeah. he's going to, he's going to go leave the place, you know, struggles, does this, you know, goes through, you know, magical yeah. wizard gives him superpowers and, you know, comes back with yeah. Holy Grail, all that just, are you using like the hero's journey format to write the outline and uh, just, a and like, how long does it take you to like write the outline? <laughs> Um, I don't know that I'd strictly go to say it's a hero's journey. I mean, I think most stories, especially when you've got magic swords and whatnot, certainly fall into that pattern just sort of naturally. That's yeah. kind of the whole point. Yeah. Um, but it varies because I don't just sit down and do it all, all at once. I'll just, I'll start with, okay, so here's my block points and then I'll have an idea and I'll squirrel that away for um somewhere in the future so when i get to the point where i'm doing more details about this particular section i'll go through all the ideas that i've got and okay this will go here this will go here no that's not going to work um so it's uh, it's less about sitting down and getting it all done than it being more of an ongoing process so got it so you have some sort of living whiteboard that you go up to and you, you just chuck in some time you go okay i'm gonna move the needle a little forward about this thing you're kind of looking at like uh you know an outline on a whiteboard and then maybe you get an idea for a side quest side quest joseph uh, jason goes off and you know yeah. murders, murders a monster and then comes back as a storyline and so you're looking at this whiteboard and you've outlined from here to here and then as you go through you get a a random idea for a side quest or a or some sort of delicious dish and you insert yeah. it into how he acquires it and brings it back that kind of yeah. how it works okay yeah something like that okay Okay. And then, and then just to bring it back to the conversation, we're talking about mindset. And so you're talking about how mm. you get obsessed, you make an outline, and then you sit down every day and you plug in the time to do that. And then mm. we're, we're, we're talking a little bit about, you know, what you tell yourself in terms of mindset and what does it take for you to yeah. kind of be able to actually get yeah. yourself to get up and sit down and go, okay. Yeah. Whoa. So the outline helps. Uh, yeah. Another, another key pillar is just scheduling. Mm. So, you know, it's not because uh, if you if you write when you're in the mood to write, you're never writing a book or, you you know, some sort of writing sorcerer. Um, so, you know, I say, OK, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write. And I do I sit down and I write. And sometimes it's terrible. And that's OK, because you can just sort of write through it. And eventually you'll either get to the point where um you know, you, you've sort of warmed up, as it were, and you've gotten onto the good stuff, and you can go back and revise what you've written because it was terrible, or you can throw it out entirely and write something fresh. But as long as you just sit down and do it, because um, I'm, uh, what is it's probably what, to say, but I'm not a big believer in writer's block. <laughs> one one question is, I understand the concept and wrap my head around what you're doing. When you're blocking mm -hmm. out times, is it increments of like? Like I'm gonna write for 90 minutes and take a 10 minute break. I'm gonna write with a, a bunch of other writers and we're inside a writer's group and then we're all gonna tag and I'm gonna go away and write. We're all gonna, you know, guarantee to write 1200 words or what does that look like in terms of blocking that out? Yeah, everyone does it differently. Me, I just go, okay, I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna go to my desk. And I'm gonna start writing. I'll take my breaks when I feel I need my breaks. But, you know, um, yeah, you can see this great big mound behind me. 
Um, that's my beanbag. Um, so, you know, when I need to de-stress, I just sort of crash in that for a little bit, maybe, you know, um, have a read of something and then I get back up and, and to work. So I, rather than schedule more specifically, I just go, I'm going to be writing from like here to here. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I'll sort it out and then I just don't, um, it's for me, it's, it's just the point of going, okay, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go to my desk and I'm going to start writing. I'm not going to go to my armchair with my tablet and play a video game. (laughs) Um, because I, I'm very easily distractible. Yeah. Um, so I kind of force myself to be on task. That, that right there though, I mean, I think wildly separates people that would would want to write a book or produce mm. of any kind of production i'm I'm gonna be famous on tiktok or insert yeah. thing right so like i'm just super curious because you're, you're someone who's been able to produce uh, a prolific amount of content um online that i've been able to indulge in thank you very much and well going through that though you're you, you come up to the thing and you're like beanbag video game board game work Right. And you say you don't allow yourself. So what is the and, I, and we can go past the mindset in a second. But I'm just super fascinated with your ability to continuously produce work for a while is how do you get what do you say to yourself to shift to actually go sit down? Is there a mantra? Is it a statement? Is it a thing? Um, No, it's just, you know, it's part, part of it is the fact that I love writing like mm. like I couldn't have done this much if I didn't love it. And I do I love the balls off of it? Um, so I, for me, um, I can be quite sort of sedentary in terms of doing things. So if I just push myself to be in front of a thing, I'll generally just sit down and do that thing. Mm. Um, so I just need to make sure I'm sitting down in front of, with the right thing in front of me and I'll do that. Got it. And then that's why you don't believe in writer's block. No, I don't believe in writer's block because I think um, you can work through it. Um, because you, if you sit down and write, even if it's shockingly bad, as long as you keep going, I, I believe you can you can push through it. There's probably people like sort of uh, shaking their head and looking at me with disdain right now. But um, uh, but when you, you push know, through. Are you typing blah 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 something 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 dark side or what do you what do you <laughs> no you, you can just you can do whatever you can even do just like simple writing exercises you can just sort of give yourself a premise and then sit down and write and just sort of try and zen through it um, and it doesn't matter if it's terrible as long as you just sit down and write something. What would a writer exercise look like? Here, just give me one example. You just give yourself a character and scenario and then go. It's it's sort of like improv, except you have to write it down instead of okay. making a funny face. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. So that makes sense. Uh, and that, that helps. So then, so if you get stuck, it's okay. Let's just run an exercise just to get the muscles moving. Right. Yeah. I, I generally don't. I'll generally just sit down and write. Um, and then if it's terrible, you know, I can, you know, fix it or replace it, you know, later on. Because I've definitely had days where I've written a chapter and then I'll read it and I'll go, oh, my God, this is some tedious crap. (laughs) Um, So quite often I'll edit it. But, you know, if it's really bad, um, 
I'll, I'll just generally like either leave for the next day or, or take a long day and um and rewrite the whole thing like I've, I've i've had some great chapters that replaced really boring ones wow that's uh, how like just understand like how often does that happen how often do you have to rewrite okay. a chapter? It, 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 okay. completely replacing a chapter because it was super tedious um that's that's pretty rare i've maybe done that a dozen times over hundreds of chapters generally there'll be something salvageable in there even if i do like a very heavy rewrite um and revision um rather than scrapping a chapter and going from start mm. generally yeah because first drafts aren't meant to be good yeah that's they're just not yeah um yeah, so you know, hence the one to two years of writing before releasing anything. Uh yeah. Um, yeah, the first version of the first three books was very short and excruciatingly bad. <laughs> um, and, that, and that was very much a mindset thing because it was just um, I wanted to get to the end because I hadn't written anything long form to completion yet. Oh, I want to get to the end of this and I rushed it. And then I got to the end and I'm like, wow. That is. Oh, I think we lost him for a hot second. It looks like his internet dropped for a beat. Um, he is in Australia, everybody. So he might have just either that or it's a very dramatic pause. Hey, welcome back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's all good, dude. We just I lost you for half a beat. So uh, you're, you're, you're talking and um, you're going to bring him right back into the mix. Okay. Hello? And you're back. Okay, it's a little twitchy today. It's okay. We, we, okay. we are literally on the other side of the world connecting right now. So, yes, you know, it's there. Okay, so I don't know where I was at, but basically, I was talking about my first draft, like the original yeah. first draft that's and very well, never see the light of day. So, yeah. my first three books are 257 chapters. The original version of that was only 66. Um, yeah, so that's um, so that's basically a quarter of the size for the same story content. Yeah, what's crazy about that is if you look at like if you look at a lot of the media today, they're like, mm. "It's too many words. It's too fluffy. You got to cut it down. You need it be mm. super compelling in thirty seconds. It's got to ah." But it's interesting oh. that you had really short content that wasn't great, yeah. but you know, by your <clears> point, <throat> but then you literally you know quintupled it. Part of yeah, well, part of it's about the format, like. If I was if I was writing directly for novels in the first place, it wouldn't be as long as I've got it now, but it would have still been longer because that was shortchanging character development, you know, yeah. story bits, everything. But now it's um, because I write serialized, so that it comes out one chapter at a time online for people to consume, um, and there's certain expectations around that format. One of it is. People want more content. The people who read Lit RPG are hungry. Um, a lot like romance readers, they just sort of devour stuff. But also um, in, in this format, there's sort of an expectation that there will be, um, I guess you call it slice of life elements, not exactly um, sort of just filler, but... Um, chapters where you'll spend a lot of time just sort of with the characters and, then, and it's a it's a good place to do you know sort of world building and and character development but they tend to be slower like i'll have scenes where um you know just 
it's it's people at a barbecue and yeah there'll be some story points or whatever but you know it'll be you know some people hanging out at a barbecue or some people going shopping together and uh and i found that if i go too long just being all hardcore plot people go you know can we just slow it down a little and you know just spend some time with the characters and um i think that's something very specific to this uh, kind of writing Mm. Um, which doesn't translate super well to dividing it up into neat books, mm-hmm. but because um, it's it's written uh, by intention for the serial format. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean that's a that's probably a good segue in the fact that you're talking about different arches, right? And this the book that just got released, book six, right, which was the yeah. arch, right, the go through where Jason, you know. Spoiler alerts, everybody. Spoiler alerts. Book six. Everybody that's paying attention right now is they, you know, they and the books haven't come out soon. But, you know, Jason's back at Earth and he's going through his his ordeal. Right. Mm. Uh, And that and that and that's kind of how you you broke it up a little bit in terms of, you know, what happens in book six. Because you could kind of based upon location and where he's shifting to, you can kind of slice up the books. Is that correct? Yeah. See, um, because I when I'm writing them, I tend to think in volumes. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than books so like my first three books are the first volume and that sort of jason goes to the other world and then four five and six is volume two which is um jason goes back to earth mm-hmm. and um and those are overall shorter than the first one um but then um seven eight and nine uh, i've written seven and eight i'm currently working on nine um are another volume again and you know they're longer but they're also sort of their own thing as well um so yeah rather than books i tend to think in sort of long stretches it's Mm -hmm. just that if you know i made each of those a book the book would be like a foot thick so Uh, yeah and and there is a hunger like i mean I, i know for myself personally speaking you know that's why you know you go through and we almost have it and i don't know about other people but i've 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 spoken to some other people like literally on this podcast um who are like fans of lit rpg books who are just uh crypto investors and they're fans of RPGs. for no reason we have a crossover but we use them as like bedtime listening materials whereas we're going to bed mm-hmm. they're playing right and you like set the time you go to go to bed you listen to it and you keep consuming it. i consume it in a circle like i'll go through like series of books and just consume consume it why have you got a hunch or a thought or a theory around why um we're so hungry when it comes to lit rpgs and what about that creates that ravenous desire for content versus other genres um part of it is it's a sort of a a relatively light reading style so it's it's not like a heavy literary genre that um sort of rewards that sort of intense close reading um it's it's uh popcorn entertainment it's it's fun and you know and i i like i I have no problem um being categorized in that way i um set out to entertain Mm -hmm. rather than what i refer to as eating your literary vegetables um which is you know reading things to make you better i you know rather read things to have a good time Uh and um not not that i'm against you know reading something sort of heavier but it's it's something that you can sit down and you can enjoy mm. uh, and go through and then it's like 
I had a great time and, you know, I'm ready for more. And, uh, and, and that's what it's about. Uh, it's, it's about coming out of it feeling, you know, fresh and clean and um, having a good time and wanting more good time. Mm. Um, rather than it being something super heavy that you want to sort of sit with and consider. That's not to say that you can't explore, you know, themes and, you know, um, and go through um, things that are thought-provoking, but it's not designed for, um, you know, sort of ponderous discussion. It's designed for fun. Yeah, it's not let me step on the soapbox and diatribe to you all the elements that make a great man or whatever it might be. The, yeah. That, but it thinks, as someone who reads um, uh, self-education books or personal development, yeah. I, I, I consume that. But when I'm like, I just want something, that, you're right. I, I shift to my fun books, which is you're in my fun yeah. genre. Now, there are elements of this I do find character qualities of Jason that I want to aspire to be, right? That ability of, being a badass but not taking myself serious being mm. able to to stand in front of giants and unflinch but at the same time be fun and kind and you know be like mm. a down salt it's like you know being this larger than life and salted earth it's just this it's this polar personality things that i think is like it's it's very cool to, to to see that that it's not necessarily like you should be this way but it's just like the way that the character uh um uh, moves through life and all the challenges yeah. uh, that you're like, but, man, that's cool. Yeah. And a lot of books, especially like five and six mm. uh, and going on are about sort of Jason's struggle to sort of maintain that balance mm -hmm. as, you know, things get a lot darker for him and, you know, it becomes harder to be, you know, sort of happy go lucky in the face of some rather nasty stuff so that's sort of his central character arc where he's, he's trying to maintain um what you just described um without turning into a monster and that's that's where the title comes from it's from the nietzsche quote about you know try um you know um you know he who fights with monsters beware lest you know, he become a monster himself. And that's sort of my central theme of the book of trying to maintain that humanity. Interesting. I didn't, actually didn't know that Nietzsche quote, but that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's the one about staring long into the abyss. Oh, yeah, yeah, and the abyss stares back. Yeah. Right. Uh, the um, With that, there is some stuff that happens where there's uh, some characters that are developed through the, the books five and six that, uh, a powerful force, you know, takes them off the board. And mm -hmm. there's a moment there where you're like, I know for myself, I paused and I reflected back. I was like, did that just happen? Did I, am I doing the math here? And it gets, it's a dark turn quick that mm -hmm. then, you know, when you struggle with that loss or at least loss for Jason inside of there, there is that moment of what is the right thing to do, right? Is it, is, 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 revenge or forgiveness yeah. and what and that that plane back and forth on those uh, on those parallels which is what you're i think you're kind of alluding to a little bit on what that what that looks like and how how deep are you willing to go to protect yeah especially when in the wake of that he's you know faced with like bad options where um you know the best thing to do is not uh, are choices that are not particularly moral because that's what you have to do for the greater good. And that's, 
yeah, and that's part of the challenge. So that's really what I, I was looking to explore with book six. Mm. Well, and that's what things things that happen towards the end of the book. Spoiler alerts of things mm. are, that are going on with book six, and you know, he, you know, he makes friends with a bad guy, Mister North, but to a degree, acquaintances, right? Yeah. And then there's a thing that's like, what makes a good man, right? And he he you know says one things and he does another thing, and it's very interesting because you normally associate the honorable main character someone who always tells the truth the, the captain america right who always yeah. just goes the right direction uh probably not captain australia you know where yeah. it seems to be a little bit of a twist um on that thing on that front but at the end there he comes to a point where he like he does some some uh underhanded dark deeds but yeah. almost for the benefit of humanity and is there is there something deeper there that you there's a, a reason that you wrote that into that section versus um another path he could have chosen um, it really was just sort of trying to look at, um, explore um, the the character and, and how much you can maintain your integrity in the face of um, making some necessary, unfortunate choices. So, um, yeah, it really is just, it's sort of the darkest part of Jason's character arc where he gets pushed to the limit of, um not just what he's doing but who he is like this mm. is the point where you know if he's going to break this is where he breaks um and um so the next uh books will be um a lot of exploring the sort of ramifications of that uh-huh yeah it's great as a patreon reader um, yes, I, I, I'm you, a, you, I'm you've a, seen a lot of that. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that, and there's and there's references I've seen late, late in the book series that you make inside of there that I'm like, I don't know if people have connected those dots. Um, I'm not mm. gonna I'm not gonna drop them inside of here, but there's some interesting foreshadowing of bigger events and greater challenges up ahead that I think are alluded to in the book series, which I think is until I get later in the chapters, I don't I don't connect the dots. Um, um, what do you? Yeah. yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, because. Um, mental health is a big um, element of this because Jason goes through a lot of dark stuff um, and there's a lot of sort of PTSD there. Totes. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> PTSD. Yeah, um, <laughs> I didn't mean to undermine the, the, the mental condition of the fictional character, but I was... Yeah. But, but, um, I wanted but, to agree with you in the shortest words possible. Yeah, cause that, but, but that's, you know, something important because, I mean, all these adventure stories, there's harrowing stuff going on. And, uh, you know, part of what I wanted to do was sort of explore the mental ramifications of that. And, and Jason absolutely has PTSD. And part of his extreme behavior is, you know, re reacting to that as he still needs to keep doing things even while he's, you know, sort of, running a ragged edge mm -hmm. my alarm went off apologies <laughs> um the, the uh there won't be any alarm any other alarms but uh you're you're talking about the ramifications of the pts and how he how he's trying yeah. to handle it going through the with yeah. mental health yeah i did you look and research any like mental health like processes or systems or how people kind of recover from that because i know he's got a, a special guide inside of, you know, a couple of people that are helping him um, navigate those waters. Did you do any research in that space? Because one thing I, I find really interesting that you're talking about is like, you're like, I just write, but like, I, there's a lot oh, no. of things that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I say write, 
Um, that uh, I, I use that to cover a lot of activity. So sometimes it's research. Sometimes it's sitting down and outlining. Sometimes it's um, just editing chapters. So um, just the action, like the the bulk of it is sitting down and you know getting words on page. But you know there's a lot of other activity because you know, research is important. Like I don't do humongous amounts of research, but if I'm going into something about which my knowledge isn't um, tremendous, then I do like to um, do some research to try and um, shave off those rough edges. Do you ever, one thing that I've noticed that I do for myself particularly as I, I've seen as a bad habit is I get stuck in the research mode versus the produce mode. And I, I don't know if you've ever had that situation. I don't know if you can speak to any times of how do you go from these are different phases of writing. You talked about writing. Yeah. Editing is okay. It's more of a it's it's it, there's less creativity, which means there's less demand on what you need. Yeah. To, my, my guess. But how do you switch from the research mode? How do you know what's your signs that do, I I've got enough research? I am good enough to go write and produce a thing. Um, well, I, I talked about obsession earlier and and i tend to dig into something so when i do i'll sometimes go a bit too far but that that can be rewarding in and of itself because if you have a depth of knowledge about something it tends to reflect on the page even if you're not showing every little bit of what you you've done but um for me like i said i i love writing so if i'm away from it too long i i get an itch and I'm like, um. okay yeah, now, now I, I need to sit down and, you know, get some words on page. Like, uh, I think of it like a creative tank. So by the time I'm ready to go on break, the creative tank is empty. Um, so then I stop writing. And once that tank fills up, it starts to overflow and my brain will start writing stories all on its own. So I was like, okay, it's time to, you know, sit down and uh, actually get this down so I can get paid for it. <laughs> I can totally hear that where you're like, you're like, oh, I got, I got all these ideas. I got to go. I got places to be. Yeah. yeah. That's, um, that's so once that happens, you know, I know it's time to, um, you know, sit down and, and get it out. And that's the best part. Like when, um, you know, when you're fresh and you, you just got ideas pouring out of you, that when, that's when writing is like the most fun. Because I'm not going to say this is the best job in the world, but it's the best job in the world for me, I think. It's beautiful. Because um, yeah, no, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it shows. I mean, there's, it, there's, um, I mean, the banter and the back and forth and the uh, there's a lot of things because it goes from like silly banter, kind of poop humor, uh, mm. to to like you know, um, deep esoteric philosophical beliefs about you know uh, authority versus respect, and it's it gets really it's very it's, the it's a dynamic conversation. It's not just all. Mm you know um gags you know yeah. it's not all just that there's 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 depth to it but there's also lightness to it so it shows a range which i can tell that yeah. the, the, the personality bleeds over because I, I love comedy and humor but you know if there's no depth like and that's great but if that's all there was i'd be writing one book not 12 books yeah because <laughs> you know you, you need you know an amount of depth do you do you um, actively put real quick do you actively put in because there's moments that, I was saying before the podcast to you, there's moments that made me cry. And there's a thing, you know, there's a thing when that happened with Jack Gurling and stuff 
Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that, that was like, ouch, right? But then at mm-hmm. the very end, the way that you wrap it up in the book with the comments made to some of his friends and the, just the emotion of the characters, you know, you know, recognizing, you know, you know, the possibility of Jason and all of that. There's a thing where I, I felt this physical, like I could feel the emotion of the character. And I, I did. I teared up. I'm not going to lie. I totally teared up as I was listening because I could feel the care and the hope and the desperation and and also just the love and how love translates almost into absurd physical violence. Um, how do you how do you write for the depth of the emotion that you're looking to like? Is, you're like, oh, I want people to feel this at the end. So I'm going to put in this thing at the end with his, his people or what? Like. I, I, it's 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 not like I'm consciously going. I'm going to try and you know put in some stuff to make people cry. I think it's it, it's just a matter of character, like mm-hmm. um, like any story, be it lit RPG or any other genre. Um, you know, if you don't have the emotion that allows you to connect to the character, then you know what the hell are you doing? <laughs> um, and because uh, like the first. Three books especially are a yeah. lot more sort of lighthearted action-adventure kind of stuff. And then for books four, five, and six, it becomes, you know, more about emotion and family and, you know, motivation. And um, although there's still lots of fighting evil, but <clears throat> but I wanted that to be important because, um, you know, you have to have um, characters that, you know, um, have that depth and, you know, they can go to that place. Like if Jason was a, you know, just a evil fighting quip machine, um, I mean, that could work probably, but, um, you know, I think there needs to be, you know, if you spend that much time with a character, you have to see more to them than you get in, you know, a 90 minute, um, action and comedy yeah it's 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 uh so he's is he uh an 80s action star with his one-liners every time he gets a new power you know in in his head yeah i i think uh i think there's you know way too much um action adventure television running around inside of his head for his own good but uh, i think that works out pretty well yeah um as you know is there anything that you feel that the readers, is there is there either a little known fact or is there some sort of misunderstandings that the readers have about the books? Because I'd be very curious if there's something that you've been trying to portray that maybe as readers we misunderstand or a little known fact that you're trying to subtly get across that people don't know either about Jason or about the book genre itself. No, not not so much. I I um I try to wear my sort of themes on my sleeve, as it were. So all of the stuff that people don't know about tends to be stuff where I've put in foreshadowing, but sort of not enough pieces to put it all together yet. Um, you know, cause there's there's obviously you know, um, you know, story beats and and twists and whatnot still to come. Um, and you know, I've been sort of drizzling bits in, but not so much, um, that, uh, anyone's really put everything together yet because that's very hard to do, um, in the contemporary internet age, especially when you've got, 
um, fan communities. And I have, I have tremendous fan communities. It's, it's, it's great. But they communicate and they postulate and they pull out every little detail. So, you know, yeah. um, like with the first season of Westworld, there's a twist at the end of that. Um, and there have been other series as well where there's been a twist at the end um, and the whole series is like, oh, what's going on? Except the fan community's figured it out in episode two and now they're just sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop going, mm, 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 come on. Um, so that's very hard to do. So when I, you know, have stuff that hasn't come up yet, um, I'll, I'll, I'll put in a reference and it tends to be, like I'll get some feedback from the community journal going, well, what was that about? And what that was about was something that hasn't happened yet. But in terms of um, what I'm trying to get across, mm -hmm. um, I see misunderstandings about it, but not sort of broadly. It'll be like an individual going, you know, I think this and someone else will be like, no, I think, and, and then it fosters the discussion and then, and they, t and I do monitor those. Yeah. I, and they generally end up um, at around the place I'm, I'm looking to get to. So uh, that's cool. I just see. I can imagine you just sitting there eating like Milano cookies, just watching the fights and like the, <laughs> the flame wars going. Like, yes, yes. Let the hate, way. let the hate flow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's up? What's a Milano cookie? Oh, I don't. Oh, 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 oh. Hey, welcome to America. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 they're like the partridge cookie packs that you eat them. That you can pull them out. Milano partridge cookies. Like the, they're like fancy chocolate chip cookies that come in bags. That like they're like gourmet cookies okay. that you can get from the store. That you they're like they're nice. Yeah, they're fair. They're, they're American chocolate chip cookies that are a little wannabe gourmet because they're extra gooey. So <laughs> that's, that's so funny. What, welcome, welcome to the translation. Yeah. You know, again, we we're uh, at, you know same age, similar types of interests, but not everything's yeah. a. It, we're a Venn diagram of interests, and then oh, are no. apparently on my side. I, of I, will, I will be coming to America this year, but yeah. um, uh, late in the year. But sure. yeah, if I spent too much time in America, I'm pretty sure the food would kill me quite quickly. Yes, welcome. Yeah, the, if you're ever in California, let me know. I'm uh, uh I'm moving to a spot where right next to me. And uh, as a like a food person, as a burger person, yeah. it has the most delicious and most unhealthiest thing that I absolutely love, like that like dirty mm -hmm. fantasy kind of stuff. Yeah. As a place that has, um, uh, uh, you do you know like like a Madame Croquet kind of thing, like um, like a, a deep fried sandwich. Oh, yeah. Talking about that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So somebody does that at this burger freight place where they do a deep fried entire burger, deep fried with honey chili oil. So it's spicy, sweet chili oil on the side, and you dip it, and it is probably one of the worst things for you. But every time I go in there, I'm like, "Give me that deep fried Monte Cristo burger, please. Thank you so much." And it is amazing. there's still blood flowing through my arteries. Let's let's shut that down. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, this comes with a side of defibrillator, you know. Just yeah. a little. Like, <laughs> well, if you're ever in the, if you're ever in California, let me know. Yeah. Oh, dude. Um. So, is there? Uh. One thing I just want to bring it back on this is uh, you talked about kind of Jason and the purpose and little known facts. Is there? Is there anything like in terms of like you put in a lot of time, you put in, you put you put your soul into making, like, and you put your heart and your feelings and your spirit into like and feel it as you go through this in your personality. Um, is there like a, like as you've gone through this, is there a, 
an end goal? Is there something you want to do? Is there, is there like, is there something that you hope to achieve? What I would call a Holy grail flag in the sand at the top of the mountain that you hope to achieve by putting in thousands and thousands of hours and all of the stuff that you've done to make it. Um, there's no specific thing. I mean, I think for me, it's about a sense of satisfaction. Um, about, you know, because I've, you know, this has been my life for a number of years now. And this is what I do all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime I'm not on break. And um, I, I just want to get to the end and, and look back at, at everything I've done and be satisfied with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's not as polished as I'd like. And that's part of the fact that I just put out so much content and that's necessary when you come at it from a serial fiction perspective. Like if you want, cause when there are tens of thousands of stories out there and, and more getting churned out every day, if you want to get noticed, you have to do certain things. And one of those things is put out a lot of stuff because like we've talked about readers being hungry. So yeah. if you don't if you don't have enough for them to eat, they're you know just going to snack and move on. Mm. Um, and that means you know I haven't always been able to you know go back and and, and give it the level of polish that I'd like. That being said, um, I came into this with the the conscious idea that you know I did want to have a certain level of quality, even as I pumped out quantity. Mm. So. Like I could write more if I wrote stuff that was worse. <laughs> um, so you know, I basically wrote. I uh, went when I was sort of figuring out how much I was going to write and how fast. I, yeah. um, I, I chose uh, consciously chose to write as much as I could write and be happy with the end result. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I want at the end. I want to get to the end and look back and just be satisfied. And then be able to move on to my next project, um, you know, having learned those lessons. So I guess, yeah, what I'm really looking for is all the lessons I learned doing this so I can take them into the next project. And now that I've established myself, I can um, I can take more time to sort of um, do it exactly how I want instead of you know, doing things that are uh, as much as I can get away with doing while doing what's necessary. So, mm. um, so yeah, um, it, it's it's about being satisfied with what I've done, but also getting ready for what comes next. Yeah. So, so part of it is, yeah, yeah, you 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 can feel satisfaction that you accomplished the work, and then yeah. you can also have this this skills that you acquired that's going to prep you for yeah. the next the next journey that you go on whatever that whatever yeah. that might be. I, I like to think that i've improved quite a bit over the last two million odd words um, <laughs> but um but yeah i want i want to get to the end and be proud of what i've done and yeah. you know i'm i'm about three quarters of the way through this series and mm. um and i am proud of what i've accomplished with it yeah, I, do. I love I love the work. Uh, is there, um, you know, as you talk about, I mean, <laughs> three million words, three million words. I, I, I think it's roughly two. I haven't two been million, two million, two million words, two million words. Uh, I suspect. Uh, what do you think? 
what do you think has been the biggest challenge for you to actually do that? Like, if you as you reflect back on this and everything that you've done, what do you think is what I'd call the dragon? What is the hardest thing for you to overcome to be able to go from one word to say, let's just say around 2 million? Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's about the time. I didn't realize how all-consuming this was going to be. Uh, because, like, I, I talked about, you know, how much I could write and um, write to a um, level that I was satisfied with. Um, but when I was sort of plotting that out, this is before I started releasing chapters and everything because I wanted to make sure I could do that going forward. Um, but once it all started, then all of the peripheral things about being a writer managing communities, managing a Discord, organizing the Patreon, you know, dealing with publishers, um, you know, just the simple elements of, like, formatting it for different websites. And um, it all just adds into the day, especially community engagement. Like, because um, uh, I'm not a big social media person at all, um, but... Um, there, when you come from the sort of serial fiction background, there's an expectation of accessibility, uh, and and that's something I've worked on very hard to be a lot more accessible to my audience. So I went from this introvert to dealing with all these people online, and it's actually been really good. Um, I'm a lot more social than I used to be, specifically because of that. Yeah. But um, but it also takes up an amount of time. Like very early on when I was going through comment sections and all stuff, I was realizing this was taking like anywhere up to, you know, three, four hours out of my day as I go through the comment section here, the comment section on Patreon, going through the Discord. Um, and, and that's time that I really should have been writing. And um, so I had to sort of learn to time manage all of that stuff. Yeah. That, that was, yeah, that... that uh, has been by far and away the biggest challenge. Uh, I, and it's one thing to say, I like to write for a living. It's not like, well, your writing also includes um, participating in your community, being with them, yeah. and everything else that goes to producing yeah. things that are outside of just right. sitting down and writing. Because I, I do have publishers as well, and they you know take a lot of stuff in my hands. If you self-publish, then it's all on you. All the marketing is you going out and finding people to do book covers and finding people to try and, you know, um, sample your work online and, you know, finding influencers to try and, you know, push you. all of that stuff. Um, I do not have any time for that whatsoever. So especially when you you're, you're i mean people want more content from you it's like can yeah. you please produce more chapters so that we can consume them yeah. in five minutes i know it took you a couple of, and yes. i took you a couple of weeks to make that but i, I i'm listening to this on two times speed yeah. if they could just produce oh. <laughs> um, yes it, it does take longer to write <laughs> By quite a do you do you do you get some sick satisfaction by consuming other writers' work, and you're just like, I'm just gonna speed read this, and then I'm gonna go DM them. Hey man, when are you gonna produce some more books, dude? You know, uh, I'm just yeah, I, I just <laughs> while I've been on break, uh, I've done a lot of reading, yeah. and um, and yeah, so I read an eleven book series, um, like all in one go on vacation, eleven books. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Um, I read it was uh, Will White's Cradle series, which has been compared to my series quite a lot. Um, 
And yeah, over the uh, over the course of about um, two or three weeks, I think I, I read all eleven books. Plus, um, I don't know if you've read Beware of Chicken. <laughs> no, I've seen I've seen a lot of chickens pop yeah. up in a lot of these lit RPG yeah, books. It's, it's, yeah, I, there's there's something of a wave of um, farming related lit RPG books. I, 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 I think the success. Yeah, there, there's a couple of them. Like yeah. I was reincarnated as a farmer and beware of chicken. I think both um, they, they they both had a lot of success, and I think that's part of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the Bibliomancer series has that. Um, there's um, uh, I think the Dungeon Carl guys got one. There's there's a couple of other things of these like these battle chickens popping into places, and I'm just like yeah. I'm, like I'm like I'm like are they reading each other's works? And it's just or is it just chickens are fun? And yeah, I, I get compared to Will White. Um, mm-hmm. I, like, I think we're actually very, very different. Yeah. Um, but, um, but there's a there's like a, a lot of details there, like blood clones and you know, thing that makes me think that while we're very different writers, we find a lot of the same stuff very cool. <laughs> and that and that could be it. You guys just you know. So, so, yeah. Up. So a lot of like the the sort of surface details are similar, while the core of our work are quite different. Yeah. I love it, and I, I think there's just if you form different as a as a reader, um, you form different relationships with different different books, right? And you you consume mm. them, you inspire them, and you find this way. And I know as a reader, I go through and eat all this content. Go, okay, I've got my favorite authors. When they come out with a new book, I'm gonna just eat that, and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm gonna wait for who else? Who else? Right? And you kind of get in this ravenous state. But you, I feel like I have a you know, even though like what even without having you on the podcast, I feel like I have a relationship with the characters in your books because it's that. And the thing is. That quality, I feel like there's always going to be room for that. You know, whether you guys are compared to it, it might be just because, um, yeah. you know, you have the same feelings that you're giving to people and that the same interest. And you guys are, could probably, I don't know if you ever hung out with Will Wright or anything, if you guys had beers no. or not. No, okay. No, I've never met. Okay. But um, I know what you mean by approaching things in different ways. Like, because I, like, you know, I'm the same way, like, something new comes out, I'm like, gimme, gimme, gimme. But my favorite author is Terry Pratchett. Okay. Um, and you know, he passed away a few years ago, uh, and I haven't read all of his books. There's still like a small handful of books of his that I haven't touched. And then every now and again, I'll just go, okay, it's time to go through, you know, w- w- one of these precious gems that are left. Uh, when, that's one of the sad things when someone leaves and they, they have this legacy mm-hmm. they left behind and you read it and you can, you can feel connected to them. Yeah. You know? If there was any one book, and we'll we'll start to wrap this up now because I do want to honor your time. I know you kind of were shocked shocked about this podcast. Uh, I know it's kind of like a lot. We we booked this a while ago, and I know I know it just kind of popped oh, on. I, you, so. I'm, on I'm on break at the moment. I wasn't okay. exactly like slaving away. I'm I'm in, I'm doing some editing this week, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't want. This is the week where I'm sort of getting back into the hardcore writing. I'm sort of easing myself back into it. I don't want the hate mail. Like, hey, you took up his time, man. I want my book. Give me my, give me my chapter. You know. But uh, if you could recommend someone's uh, a book of if, like, like outside of your series, which I highly recommend. I, you know, again, it's it's incredible. And uh, but was there anyone's book, any one book or one series that you would recommend from somebody who would be interested in getting into this space, any, or interested in just in just a, a favorite book of yours that you would wish to share with the world? Um. Hmm. One of my favorite books is 
well, I, there's a book series called The Vorkosa Against Saga by Lois McMaster Bouchold. It's a science fiction series. Um, and, um, and as of the third book in that series, the, the main character is um, this sort of disabled guy. But I would consider that character, his name's Miles Vorkosikin, to be um, one of the biggest influences on um, how I write Jason. Um, That's cool. There's a book called The Warrior's Apprentice. Uh, by Lois McMaster Bouchard, and that is one of, if not my favourite books. Uh, it's definitely one of my favourite books, and um, oh, the, you know, it's called the Warrior. What was that? War, the Warrior's Apprentice. Warrior's Apprentice. Yeah, but the Volkosikan Saga, the whole thing is um, absolutely fantastic, and, and the central character in this series is this sort of manic you know, glib guy who gets um, by purely on the power of, you know, talking fast and um, making insane choices. If that, <laughs> that sounds in any way familiar. In the um, so, yeah, if you if, if you want to see Jason but better, <laughs> I would uh, I would recommend that series. That's, a, that's quite the bar, my friend. It's quite the bar. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome. We'll check it out. And, and again, like, when, so right now you, you wrote book six. It's out. It's available. It's incredible. Yeah. When does when does book seven come out for you? Uh, next month and something about a month, I think, uh, somewhere around the thirteenth. I'd have to look it up, but yeah, okay. uh, somewhere around then, which okay. is yeah, September thirteenth or so, plus or minus uh, some yeah. days, possibly. Add add yeah. some wiggle room. Yeah. Uh, cool. And so that gives people a chance to consume your your other six books before then. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. and then be able to, and be able to pull that up so that you've been, so that they can get prepped and ready. Uh, this reminds me your books remind me a little bit of when I got into Nodato as I went into Nodato, uh, yeah. I found that I was like, Oh, this is really cool because it's English. And I went through the English ones for a while. I was like, I'm all yeah. out of English. And then I went to Japanese, uh, uh, anime and then I ran Japanese and then I went to the manga and I went all the manga all the <laughs> way up to the very end. I was like, I was like, duke, 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 all the way to the very end. And so yeah. for me with your books, I went through the books and then I went through the Patreon and I went through the very end and I cycle back through that. And as a new one comes through, I start to cycle back through as that, as that looping pattern. So, you know, I think people get some of the benefits of, you know, they, you, you've produced so many books now that are, are, that are coming out and it's coming out pretty quickly. I mean, they're not too far yeah. out when you go to release. Oh, there's, some, there's still two more to come out this year. Woo! Two more this year. Damn. You're gonna, yeah. you dude. You're you're emptying that that bank vault of chapters, dude. Yeah. You're gonna. No, I, I, yeah. So I, I just checked. It's the thirteenth for for book seven, and it's about the same. I think it's like the thirteenth of December for book eight. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, but you know, now I've got to make sure I, you know, know. still writing more books to keep ahead. I know. You're, you're just gonna get. You're gonna email from me. I'm like, where's the next book? I'm so hungry. <laughs> <It's> so very... <laughs> Dude, uh, uh, Travis, it's been an absolute honor to have you on, man. Uh, I, I I love your books. I love the I love the the heart, the passion, the soul, the dedication you put into it. Um, I know you. I, I I know you. You've taken off some time here to write the additional chapters. Um, yeah. I know. I know many people uh, wish you would just never ever stop and just you know hook up Starbucks into your veins and just don't sleep and just constantly produce. Um, Actually, but... uh, people have been really really supportive. Yeah. Um, well, a part of it is. 
um you know coming from serial fiction lots everyone's had stories that have just sort of dropped off the end of the earth you know without actually finishing so you know there's a lots of take care of your health <laughs> you know they, they they don't want a uh, sort of a george rr R. martin yeah movie. i was about to say that exact thing or, 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 a, robert, or a robert jordan scenario where i either oh, just or die yeah um, yeah, or don't die. Me. He's like, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> don't watch me. <laughs> you gotta look at this. I'm gonna eat a burger that kills me. <laughs> okay, no, no deep fried burgers for you, man. Oh, brother, I I appreciate you, dude. Is there is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them, you know, how to find you or find your works or find your Patreon? No, I'm um. No, I'm pretty. I, I I I get twitchy if I start having to do calls to action. So. Okay. 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 Yeah. Well, no, I, oh, so yeah, I you know you can find my stuff on Royal Road. You can find my stuff on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, and also, I mean, as an as an avid Audible reader, reader, um, I know if you to put in uh, "He Who Fights with Monsters" on on Audible, there it's in there as well. Yeah. All the series yeah. in there. That's where I. That's where I originally found you, and um, and then started Love consuming. Yeah. Yeah, love the audiobook by the fantastic Heath Miller. Yeah, amazing, amazing uh, audio. Uh, audio Heath Miller he reads it, and amazing. I feel very connected. Sometimes uh, they can do a disservice, um, as some other author uh, readers have done with other groups and other things. I, I think he does an amazing job, high quality. Um, but well, yeah, so boy like me, even though he lives like on an island off the coast of Maine now, is he? So, yeah, he's great. I, I feel he's perfect. He's a perfect um, reader for that. So, um, so if people go there, you can check him out. Check out the uh, the Patreon shirt alone, and then also yeah. the book's gonna come out in a couple of weeks here. Uh, so uh, be ready for that. But uh, Travis, thank you so much for coming on, brother. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your energy, and um, I'll catch you soon. No worries, man. All right, brother. Take care. I'll see you on the other side. Bye. So Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or, if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.